Hi everybody and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby, and this is episode 66 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, you can head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. RV Miles is also on social media. We are at Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And Jason and I, along with Jack, Ethan, and Henry, are traveling around the country at OurWanderingFamily.com. And we are also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube. On today's episode, Salt Lake City, which was just a awesome experience and one that we didn't have quite enough time to do everything we wanted to. No, four days was not enough time to experience Salt Lake City. But we're excited to tell you about all the stuff that we did because we really acted like tourists in Salt Lake City. Most of the time we take our time to explore. We, you know, we work a lot, so we we don't get to sort of spend all day bouncing around doing everything we want to do. And we just sort of let everything go and and just went wild in Salt Lake City. We were like the Tigger of Salt Lake City. We just bounced all over the place. So we're excited to talk about that. We've got news and the answer to last week's brain teaser and a whole lot more. But first, this episode is sponsored by L.L. Bean. This year, L.L. Bean is joining up with the National Park Foundation, the official nonprofit partner of the National Park Service, to help you find your happy place. In an amazing system of more than 400 national parks, including historic and cultural sites, monuments, preserves, lakeshores and seashores that dot the American landscape, many of which you'll find just a short trip from home. L.L. Bean is proud to be an official partner of the National Park Foundation. Discover your perfect day in a park at findyourpark.com. And as we mentioned, I think last week, L.L. Bean has just opened a store right outside of Salt Lake City in nearby Park City. Um, Maybe you've heard of Park City, Utah before. I don't know. (laughs) We're going to talk a little bit about Park City because we spent a little time there as well. But uh, we just missed the opening of the new L.L. Bean store. It's really the only one in the West. So If you're in the area, check it out. If you're in a thousand mile (laughs) radius, you should head over to Park City and do a little shopping at L.L. Bean. But we are not within a thousand mile radius anymore of Park City. We are in sunny Los Angeles, California. We are. Totally different weather here. We are in very different weather. (laughs) We are also inside a laundry room. Today's (laughs) podcast is sponsored by the laundry room of my family. (laughs) We're, We're at Abby's brother's house and his family. And, uh. And having a great time, the kids are having a lot of fun with their cousins. And we are, because there are so many kids here, we are, we are holed up in the laundry room. So no voices get on on the podcast here. (laughs) But bless my brother. I think he has all four or five kids outside right now. And they are all going to wash the DeLorean together. Abby's brother has a DeLorean. He does. Big Back to the Future fan, big DeLorean fan. And he just bought a DeLorean. And we both got to drive it, which we is did. really cool. We did. Also very difficult to drive. but <laughs> It is. You know, it's very difficult. Actually, Justin and I took it. My brother, Justin, and I took a drive to In-N-Out Burger the other night to get because you always have to get In-N-Out when you're visiting. So we went to go get some dinner for the grownups. And he was driving. I was riding in the passenger seat. And the way that the seats are configured in the DeLorean, you feel almost like you are in and like an arcade ride and you get in and the seat just is tilted back. And I remember saying to him, I can't see anything except like <laughs> the sky. I'm so short inside of this in the way that it's set up that I couldn't see the hood. I couldn't see it over the hood. I could just see maybe like the tops of cars and then the sky. And it was just kind of like I was flying in the DeLorean. And of course it doesn't have power steering and and the clutch is is very finicky, but boy, it was fun to to just take for a little spin around it the block. It is so in a much fun. wing car. And I bet if I could have gotten it out of first gear, it would have been. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't. My foot could not get it all the way to the floor. But it is a super cool car, and I have grown up with my brother. All of his life, he has wanted a DeLorean, so I was thrilled for him when he finally found a 1983 mint condition, bought it off of a first owner and he loves it. He's out there waxing it and washing it and just caring for it every single day. It's his third child now. (laughs) But we, uh, we got to do some trick or treating. We always try to take the kids somewhere fun with friends or cousins to, to trick or treat. So we came out here and 
really, uh, seriously, all of our making our way all the way out to Los Angeles was just so the kids could trick or treat with cousins, really. <laughs> what we will and, do for our children at the Halloween season. And boy, did they know how to do Halloween in this area. They're not playing around here. I mean, houses no have fog machines and video projectors and giant inflatables. I think part of it is because they just know the weather will be perfect. You can have these elaborate giant setups for Halloween and know that you're probably not going to get rained out. <laughs> right. It's not going to be cold. And the area that we went and trick or treated in was very popular, very busy. We were queued up to go to houses, probably 40, 50, 60 people deep on the sidewalk. And it was wild. It was so busy. In one neighborhood, a bunch of the, the neighbors and, and a church got together to, to put up a tent in a yard and they were handing out hot dogs and popcorn and punch. And they had like places you could sit down and take a rest. They had like a selfie station. <laughs> the selfie it's station crazy. was brilliant. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. We had a great Halloween. The kids have asked that this become a tradition, yeah. which of course we would love. Yeah, because... We'll just drive 3000 miles every time we need to go for <laughs> go trick or treating. Well, we are spoiled in the sense that we also get to spend much needed time with family. And that's always nice. Plus we're in LA and the yeah. weather is perfect. Man, and great. Jason and I just celebrated our 10th anniversary on Thursday and we went to Universal Hollywood, just the two of us. We left the kids, had a great day. We're having a perfect day. We were on our way to the beach. We were going to watch the sunset. And then Henry decided to puke here at the house. <laughs> so, so we turned around. Happy 10 to us. So we turned around and drove <laughs> the did. two hours in L.A. traffic back. We did. <laughs> but it was still a beautiful day. Yeah, we might do we might do sort of a universal and L.A. breakdown. On yeah, maybe episode. we yeah. haven't, you know, ventured too far into L.A. We've just been really focused on family. But we have what started on Thursday on our 10th anniversary with a sick kid has just moved itself through the house. So this is part of the reason why the podcast is out late on Saturday today is that we have a house full of sick individuals. Yeah. You might notice my voice is a little bit lower right now. A little now bit deeper. Than, than very, very is. white. Uh, especially <laughs> on the National Parks podcast. I was, I was not feeling well when I recorded the National Parks podcast this week. And, uh, and my voice was like in the basement. It was. I was listening to you at one o'clock in the morning when you were trying to knock that out. And it was <laughs> it was pretty bad. It's been a little bit of a rough week. You can't have too much fun without sometimes having a little bit of exhaustion and sickness yeah. to follow. So that's what we're dealing with now. But we're here. We're glad we're here. We're thrilled to talk about Salt Lake. But first, we need to dive into some news. We need to dive in to hometown news. Yeah. So the, the Chicago Thanksgiving parade, uh, it's always been kind of a a little bit of a weird parade. It, it's a good parade. It's a big parade. And a lot of the local shows uh, in Chicago, a lot of the musicals perform in it. You it's, can go over to the Chris Kendall market yeah. like right afterwards. It's a total event and it's a day. You can make a whole day out of it. But it's a little on the, uh, I don't want to say it's like the cheaper version <laughs> of New York. But, but it is. <laughs> but it is. And they make some choices sometimes uh, that Make us all sort of like cock our heads. For to the instance, side. Uh, two or three years ago, you know, Santa ends the parade like it does in New York, and and Santa Santa comes out with Mrs. Claus and the reindeer and elves and everything, and they're all dancing to to that song. What does the fox say? You know, <laughs> let's let's not make that stuck. In what does that head? have to do with? Christmas or Santa. Well, first off, I'm always impressed that Santa can make it to so many parades on one day because it's a great job. He does a great well, job. It's so the does Christmas Mrs. magic that allows him to go Absolutely. to so many houses on Christmas. Absolutely. Henry is always amazed by the Christmas magic that gets Santa all to all these parades. And that particular one, I just think if I had been Santa and Mrs. Claus, I would have just thought, really, this is the best you've got for me. What does the fox say? I can think of about five million other songs that you could play for me to have to dance off on this parade. Where's my sleigh? I'm out of here. <laughs> anyway, the, the parade was almost canceled this year uh, up until yesterday. It was just announced because they weren't able to uh, land a title sponsor, which is crazy because there are so many major businesses based in Chicago. I mean, you've got like 
Boeing and, and Google has their second offices there, but they could not land a title sponsor. Not even Macy's, even though the parade goes right past Macy's. In I Chicago. blame what does the Fox say <laughs> from 2015? So Camping World is saving the day. Uh, Camping World, we've mentioned earlier this year, they bought the sporting goods brand Uncle Dan's, which has a couple stores in Chicago. And Uncle Dan's is now the sponsor of the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Marcus Limonis, the CEO of Camping World, stepped in. And made sort of like he does his whole thing is making a last minute deal. And he's a he's, you know, a Chicago and camping world is based out of a Chicago suburb. So they're stepping in and it's now going to be the Uncle Dan's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Because <laughs> how great is that? How appropriate. <laughs> I remember when the very first Uncle Dan's opened up in the city on That's South a really Port. cool store. It's a cool store. We actually I think we're still living in and around the Southport area and everyone was thrilled to have some sort of outdoor retailer in that space. So, you know, thank you uncle Dan's for ensuring that some of our actor friends have a little extra work this Thanksgiving morning. And we look forward to maybe being able to pick it up. I doubt we'll be able to wherever we are, but maybe we can stream it online or something. Next in the news, uh, go sun. Go sun is this company that makes these solar cookers. They cook, with just the power of the sun, they can get up to like 500 degrees. It's pretty cool. It's sort of like a long, it's almost like a sword that you can put meat and food on and stick in and it, and it cooks it. We're happy that we're going to be partnering with them a little bit here in the future on some coming episodes. But uh, this popped up in the news that they are providing 1500 of their solar cookers to support the Red Cross relief efforts in response to the typhoon that hit the South Pacific on October 26th. Some U.S. territories, the North Mariana Islands, uh, were hit pretty hard, and these solar cookers can cook without any electricity. So they're perfect for any sort of disaster relief situation, and of course, you know, camping. But uh, <laughs> and of course, camping. <laughs> but this is really cool that they're doing this because it yeah, is the- a product that is going to provide a service to families and communities that have no power but need a way to cook and to be, you know, to eat essentially. And they yeah, are being, they are doing this. And this isn't like a cheap little gizmo. This is like a, a robust, well-made product that, that costs a bit. And, uh, and to yeah. send 1500 of them, uh, it's, it's a big donation. So good, good for GoSun. Good on you, GoSun. Thank you for doing that. We also want to mention that Jellystone Parks, Jellystone uh, is one of the few major brands that sort of, puts out their numbers and it's sort of a good barometer for how campgrounds are doing. So Jellystone parks, third quarter revenue up 19%. We keep throwing these massive numbers around about camping in the RV industry increases in 19% in business. It's just, it's just unheard of, you know, and, and campgrounds are really booming right now. I keep saying we keep building all of these RVs. We are not building campgrounds in this country. And uh, I think you and I are in the wrong business. It's a a great business opportunity. We need to start building. But I will say what is happening. What what we have noticed a bit is that there are people that are buying old campgrounds that already exist and making them better, fixing them up, making them more premium places because they know they can get more premium sales out of them now that there are more people doing this. I want to do the opposite. Yeah. I want to purchase a campground that needs some TLC. I want to give it that TLC. And then I want to charge a rate that anyone and everyone right, can afford. Right, affordable. But it I does. still want it to have nice amenities and I want people to feel welcomed. It doesn't have to have themes. It doesn't even yeah, need it to can have be, It just needs to be just, nice. It doesn't need nice. to have, it doesn't need to have like a whole bunch of stuff to do. Like the thing you do is camp. That's the thing you do. Right. Right. It doesn't need to have a golf course. It doesn't need to have a lake. No, but those things are nice to those, have. Those are great. I just don't want to, I don't want to be that kind of campground yeah. owner. I want to be a campground owner that any family doesn't get priced out yeah. of. And that is no shade to those who have premium campgrounds who aspire to have that kind of space and be owners of that kind of space. No, there are just, there are a lot of less options for other people. That's my point is there are a lot of those now and the market is really saturated with that type of campground. So I want to go do the opposite. I want to do the thing that not a lot of people are doing and that is offering campgrounds 
that are not at a premium rate. Finally, we want to mention uh, some RV Miles news. Of course, the National Parks podcast we like to mention to you every week. Hey, guys, thanks so much for your support on the National Parks podcast. We are we are right now sitting at number nine on the iTunes places and travel charts, which is just awesome. Like it's that, amazing. we're up there with like Rick Steves. Yeah, we've been doing this for six months and we couldn't do it without those of you that share and support. And we couldn't also do it without the support from LL Bean. They have been such amazing partners for us over there at America's National Parks podcast, as well as here at RV Miles. But it has just been We've said it time and time again. It was a dream of Jason's to get this going. We sat on it for the longest time because we just weren't sure if we could sustain it. We just weren't sure if there was an audience for it. And boy, were we wrong. And it's just been really great. So and this week, I feel like is a little bit of a personal podcast, especially for Jason. Um, I, I got the week off again. <laughs> yeah. I swear one of these days I'm going to come back for more routine storytelling but i was off again this week yeah so this week what i did i i i took a bunch of audio while i was doing a hike in in zion it was a solo hike and i i really haven't done a solo hike before i mean i've always hiked with someone else or with my family um and mainly with my family and there's not a lot of time for reflection when you're hiking with three children <laughs> no <laughs> no and this was a this was a serious strenuous hike and you know it was a personal challenge for me and i and i hiked up over uh 1200 feet in elevation and i i was shocked to find out afterwards that i did uh but you know i'm 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 sort of setting out on a journey i think i'm going to try to lose some weight and try to get a little bit healthier here and this was sort of the kickoff of that for me but it was uh, you know I, it's hard to explain what this episode was about but it's about hiking and it's uh you know i met some people along the way and uh Sort of just talk about the challenges and the benefits of hiking and and what you can experience by by really making it a part of your vacation plans to like go on a hike instead of just, well, we might go on this little walk here and there, but really planning out going on a hike and and making that a destination because some of the coolest places in our country are not going to be off a roadside. You're going to have to walk to them. No, I think it in Zion in particular, I think that this is the difference between hiking the grotto, which is a half mile hike between the lodge and the grotto stop, which is where you get off for Angel's Landing and hiking what you did, the Hidden Canyon Trail. Those are two very different hikes. They're both respectable hikes and we have done both. And sometimes when you have small people, half mile, that's all you've got for the day. You're still getting out there and doing it, though. But with something like with you climbing that kind of elevation, really experiencing the park in its natural environment, away from the road, away from people, away from man-made structures is something that you can't really explain until you've done it. Yeah. And I look forward to our boys getting a little bit older and being able, or at least our youngest, Jack, is most certainly old enough to be hitting these kind of trails with us, but I'd like Henry to get a little bit older first. I can't wait to be able to do things like that as a family. Well, because the thing is that when you go to a national park and they're busy right now, all the parks are experiencing record visitation. Most people are not going on into the wilderness at all. Most people are staying, they say within a few hundred feet of a road. So you can go on some of these short little trails and they're great and they're important to do. But if you can really spend a day, a half day, a quarter of a day getting out further, going a mile or two or more, you get to see some of the best parts of some of these parks without without the, you know, piles of people on top of you. Well, and I throw this little tip out, too, or just this suggestion as well, is that when you stay in a federal campground or a state campground, a lot of times those campgrounds are going to be backed right up against some trailheads. And I have, um, in the last 15 months as, as I have been on my own personal weight loss journey, and I have been just trying to get healthier and been doing a lot of running. I have had some amazing solo hikes or solo runs in and around our campgrounds that have involved 
getting out on the trail. And I'm thrilled for Jason that he is getting to experience that for himself in a way that works for him. But I would say anytime you find yourself at a campground like that, do a little investigating and see what is maybe just backed right up against your back door, your front door, and go out on those trails too. You don't have to go into a major national park. Or even at your home. If you want to if you want to go out for a run, instead of going out for a run, maybe drive 10 minutes to a little trailhead in your area at a, at a town park or something like that. And yeah, the go forest the preserve. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Let's jump off our soapbox All right. of hiking. Go over and listen to America's National Parks podcast. I think we're sounding a little bit like a tired wheel. We love hiking. It's no secret anymore. So we'll move past that and we'll move on to what's happening on Sunday. (laughs) RV RV chat. chat. So finally, we want to mention our RV chat on Twitter, which we're really enjoying uh, getting a lot of interaction with people. Last week's was on cooking at the campground. If you missed it, this coming weeks, we're going to talk about the state of the RV industry and uh, and all the different things that are going on with that, that we've mentioned over and over on the show. We don't need to get into that here, but if you want to chat about the state of the RV industry, come over to RV chat on Twitter, follow the hashtag RV chat and join us in conversation at eight o'clock central time. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll have the answer to last week's brain teaser and then Salt Lake city. Be right back. All right, we're back with the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. A man sitting at a table. This was another how somebody died riddle. A man sitting at a table is dead with 53 bicycles laying all around him. How did he die? Many of you were were quick to catch on to the answer to this. Uh, The bicycles were bicycle playing cards and there were 53 and a deck has 52. The 53. Third was the card he was cheating with. He was cheating, got shot. And, that's Wild uh, West. Wild Doo-doo-doo. West. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's some Deadwood stuff right there. So our winner this week is Jeremy Jackson from Arkansas. Jeremy will be winning uh, Not All Who Wander Our Lost t-shirt. And you'll have your chance to win yours at the end of the show with a new brain teaser. All right. Salt Lake City, Utah. This was just a cool place. First, we need to mention. We stayed in a hotel in Salt Lake City. <laughs> let's, let's just confess. We parked Wanderbus in front of the hotel. She had a great little spot. She, we could see her from our room. And we went into the Doubletree Suites by Hilton and had four fantastic nights in a great room. Met some of the nicest people working at the hotel that I think I have ever met. Yeah, you know, a lot of people RV because they hate hotels. We are not those people. We are not we those hotels. people. We keep, you know, we keep seeing people being like, oh, I'm never going to a hotel because I don't want bed bugs. Well, let me tell you, there are way more <laughs> bugs in our RV than, than we've ever experienced in a hotel. Um, we, we definitely <laughs> prefer a, I will say this, I don't want to give off the impression that I don't have preference. I do prefer the word hotel over motel. You just prefer a nicer place. But I just do prefer a nicer place. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. And this is what Doubletree was. This was perfect for our family. We were able to have a fantastic home base jump off for all that we were going to do in Salt Lake because we were right downtown. Just fantastic. If you want to experience a city, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes getting a campground anywhere near the downtown of a city either doesn't exist or it's really expensive and you get into these campgrounds that are over a hundred dollars. And at that point you're kind of like, well, why don't I stay at a hotel and have somebody, you know, come clean my room for me every night and make my bed. Especially if you can park your RV at the hotel and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And these people were so great. They, we, they knew we had an RV with us. They, they, they put us in a room 
where they knew we would be able to see it out the window. They did that for us on purpose they so did. that we would be able to see where we parked the bus. We parked the bus on the street. They did, their parking didn't allow for something as big as our RV. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but I have to say that the very first person we encountered, her name was Anna. She was working at the front desk. She was so kind. She was so interested in our family and interested in Wanderbus and wanted to know about us, talked to the kids. And I think that that really sets a mood for what you can expect while you're not only at the hotel, but what you can expect from a city when you're exploring. And I want to jump back just a second and say another thing about that point you made about how hard it can be sometimes to explore a major city in an RV. I feel that way about St. Louis. And we have stayed yeah. in two different campgrounds in St. Louis, in one a KOA, one a state park, and they have taken us a bit of time to get yeah, into. Yeah, they're nice the places. It's just it takes you even though even if you like do the GPS and it looks like it's gonna take you a half hour, it always takes over an hour to get into a city from a campground. It just does. Well, because the whole point of the campground is to be removed yeah. from the city for the most part, unless you're in Vegas and then you want to go <laughs> and just park in a parking lot. That's yeah. fine. But back to Salt Lake, Anna was so great. And we were able to go up to our room, get settled and have a really wonderful time and feel like we could just let go and experience Salt Lake because we had everything we needed right there. And we still had the bus for anything we needed to go out and get. And like I said, we were treating this like a vacation. So even if you're a full timer out there, which I know most of you that are listening are not full timers. Uh, some of you don't even have an RV yet, but if you're a full timer, the lifestyle isn't a vacation all the time. And it is nice to sort of take a break and, and have, something feel like a vacation and that's kind of what this was for us so we had you know we had breakfast at the hotel breakfast buffet every single morning and it was so good and we the kids got to swim in the pool even though it was cold outside and and that we kind let of stuff the kids, is a nice getaway we let the kids i think one night we got back from exploring and they went down to the pool and they were down there in that pool. We were with them. They weren't by themselves. But they were in the water for three hours. Those kids just swam and swam and swam. And I thought they would get bored. Heck, I got bored. <laughs> and they did not. And I ended up going back up to the room, which was wonderful. I had it all to myself. Jason stayed down there. I had the laptop with the kids. He was having a great time. They were all just being wild. And I was like, this is this is fantastic. This is exactly what they needed. They needed to just kind of be free for a little bit and feel like we were all on vacation. Sometimes our lives are just work, 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 work. And we're blessed to have the work and so grateful for it. But when we get an opportunity to allow ourselves to say we're on vacation, it is the whole mood for our family just shifts because mom and dad get to relax a little bit. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about some of the cool stuff we got to do in Salt Lake City. And boy, did we do a lot. And we, I'm still tired. <laughs> we don't, and like, we don't usually like to spend the money to go to do a whole lot of the expensive attractions all at one time. You know, we might do one or two. We just can't afford to just go to a whole bunch of attractions in a weekend in a city. But Salt Lake City does something cool that made it affordable for us. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but we were just able to cram so much in. Yeah. So we're just going to run through the things that we did in four days. The first one was the Natural History Museum of Utah. And if you don't know anything about Utah, Utah is where a heck of a lot of dinosaur discovery sites. The dinosaurs really liked about. the Utah landscape yeah. millions and so, millions of years ago. Billions. So this natural history museum is just full of lots of different dinosaur skeletons. And what was really cool is we've been to so many different natural history museums that have like, they have like a fossil room where people are supposed to be in there working on fossils and opening them up. They're never there's, in there's there. never anybody where are in you? Them. But here there were like six people working on fossils in there. So you actually got to see them working. They had monitors 
And one of them came out and talked to us for the longest time. Scared the life out of me, too, because I'm trying to talk to the kids about the fossil that was in front of them. And the fossil that was in front of them was part of the Tyrannosaurus family. I'm not going to remember the name of it. And I was butchering the name. I was sounding like the world's just worst educator. And this guy out of nowhere just appears and he swoops in and he's like, oh, that's called blah, blah, blah. And then just we are off to the Clearly races. Clearly you learned a lot from him. I, <laughs> I did. I actually did learn an awful lot from him. I just cannot remember the names of the dinosaurs. I, they never looked to me to be phonetically how I want to say them. And so he came in and we talked to this paleontologist for probably 20 minutes. He did lose our kids after about 10, but he did not lose me. And we kind of, we just kept talking. And because for years, like Jason said, we know our natural history museums, Chicago clearly has one of the best in the world, also has one of the most complete Tyrannosaurus Rexes there with Sue. So we've spent a little bit of time at a museum like that, but we have never had the opportunity to actually talk to a working historian. And he was so fascinating. And then he just kind of gave us little bits and pieces of things to know as we started moving into the museum, because their dinosaur collection is unreal. Yeah. It's overwhelming. It really is. And that's the main thrust of this museum. There's other stuff. There's, there's history of the native Americans in the area. Um, but the main thrust is, is the dinosaurs. And it's not a massive museum, but it's fairly new and it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And there was one section in the dinosaur section of the museum where we're walking and then we're walking on plexiglass and we can see what's below us. And it looks like a dig site. It looks like the skeleton outline of a dinosaur. And it's so complete. And we're thinking... Oh, this is a model just to kind of give you an idea of what it looks like at a dig site. This is just a a model of this dinosaur. And the kids are super fascinated by it because it's huge. You can walk on top of this huge dig site. No, it was real. Yeah, they like airlifted a dig site basically into the floor. (laughs) Amazing. It's just amazing because it connects you in a way that I think sometimes is lacking in natural history museums, connecting you to how much goes into caring and creating these, finding these dig sites, I should say, and what it takes to transport the fossil once you find it. And just really, I just amazing. I, I could just go on and on. This was such a cool museum. <laughs> All right. The next museum type place that we went to was the Clark Planetarium. And This we were kind of expecting to just be going to see like a 3D movie here. Uh, Yeah, we saw two. We saw two 3D. Well, we saw we saw an IMAX movie, and then we saw a film in their in their planetarium uh, space as well. And uh, but the the planetarium area, the museum area of the planetarium, is really well done as well, and it's free. It's free, and that's what's really cool is that you can come. And you can purchase a ticket for an IMAX. And so let's say for a family of five, you end up spending $35 to go see this IMAX film. And what we saw was this beautiful one on planet Earth shot from the International Space Station. Just the most phenomenal film. You pay for that, but then you also get to explore the planetarium. So you have like this double deal where you have tickets to see a great IMAX movie. And then you get at least an hour, if not two hours worth of exploring. And if you don't want to do the IMAX movie, you just go to the museum. You, you no, can absolutely you're not, do that. Yeah, you're not required to purchase tickets to explore and the museum. And what I thought was cool is you, a lot of museums have IMAXs, and, and usually they're playing one or two films at a time. This place was playing a decent number of different films throughout the week. So you could really pick based on your tastes. And they also do like Pink Floyd laser shows and stuff in the planetarium as well. Because why yeah. wouldn't you? <laughs> so I really loved it. And and it's right there downtown and it's super convenient. And the kids had a great time. And it is it like like the uh, Natural History Museum. It's also fairly new and mm-hmm. just sort of, you know, fresh, clean and modern and all that 
it was walking distance as well from our hotel, which yeah. I really appreciate. There's a lot of stuff walking distance yeah. downtown. They also have like, they're one of the cities now that has rentable scooters. We've been seeing this around. Man, around was the everyone on one of those things there. Oklahoma City has these two. So does Kansas City, where where they're sort of like a scooter share. You know, it's like the kickstand scooters and they're electric and you rent them from an app and then you just leave them somewhere. Yeah, it's and pretty then wild. You, and then if you have the app, you can find one and pick them up. And people are all over the place on these things going everywhere. Um, anyway, you can get use those to get around to a lot of the different attractions. But downtown. they also have a train service. They do have uh, a train service. Yeah. And you can take that to go over to. Uh, some of the, you know, uh, all the LDS sites because it's Salt Lake City and there's there's the big church and and you can go walk the grounds of that and everything. And um, we we sort of did a little bit of that. Not really, but we did go over there and we actually went and ate at, at what was Brigham Young's home. Yeah, this was really <laughs> interesting. This is one of the more interesting, like museum conversions, home to museum conversions I've ever experienced. So it's called Lion House Pantry. Yeah. And it's in the basement of Brigham Young's home that was built when they established in Salt Lake. And the menu changes every single day. It's very home style. They have their dinner rolls are just, oh, I could have just eaten it, it, just it, the it's dinner sort, roll. It's like a counter service. So you go up to a counter and they have yes. like you can choose the you choose from like five the pot options. roast or yeah. the fish or whatever they are that day and they're all sort of they load you up that line. I had the um I had the chicken pot pie or turkey pot pie I actually think is what it was and you had the pork loin yeah kids had chicken fingers and mashed potatoes and a vegetable and the dinner roll and they had the most delicious desserts cheesecake chocolate cake I mean just anything you can think of is there and then you take it you pick a table. And you have your dinner there in the basement of Brigham Young's home. And it's a little weird. I mean, like, this is a huge, like, when we say home, like, this is, like, over 100 people lived here. Yeah, because, it you was know, massive. I mean, it was a polygamist. had lots of wives and children. And they all lived in this house. And, like, you're eating with hundreds of people. And you're like, that's what was happening in this, this house. This is what dinner was like <laughs> on just, you know, Tuesday night. And... I'm not sure what to say other than it was one of the more unique dining and museum experiences I've had. Yeah. I will say it's absolutely worth, I think, kind of checking good, out. a place to eat if you're going over there to visit the church sites. Yes. And, and the price and was really reasonable. Yeah. I didn't feel like it was exuberant at all. And the food was delicious. We had more desserts than we should have. I kind of went like a little crazy and was like, oh, well, we need this one. Oh, um, yeah, we can't leave here with cheesecake and not chocolate cake. Oh, well, we better get this apple pie. So just beware that your eyes might be bigger than your stomach once you get into that line. So we we then went to experience this really interesting place that that was where Brigham Young first landed in Salt Lake City. And, you know, the Mormons were on a pilgrimage to find a home and they settled in Salt Lake City. Then they literally stopped there and Brigham Young said, this is the place. So this place is called This is the Place Heritage Park. I just think if you don't know it in advance, it's a weird name. But when yes. you know what it's for <laughs> at first, we were like, I don't understand. Why is it called this? And then we got there and then we learned about it and understood it. And what I liked about This is the Place is it was super old timey. So yeah. they have all of these cabins that you can walk into, but you don't just walk into them. Some of them have volunteers or employees who are dressed in the period, uh, mid late 19th century clothing, and they are working that land. They're working that cabin. They're working out in the garden. And we had a young girl take us out back of one of the cabins and show the kids like, you, you know, where the, how to do the laundry, like with the washboard. And then you could, they could take it over and hang it up on the clothesline to dry. They got to beat some rugs. They got to pretend like they were ironing. Yeah. It's not, I don't want to give the impression that it's like a religious experience here. This is a, it's a pioneer experience. It's a pioneer experience. We did not at once at all feel as though the religious experience was trumping the pioneer experience. Yeah. They were 
very helpful in answering our questions and sharing with us information about the people that lived in that home, but it was only when we asked for it. So regardless of what maybe your religious affiliation is, this is a great way to go and kind of experience what it was like to work this land in Utah that no one had ever lived on in this way before. Clearly people had been there, indigenous people had been there, but pioneers living on the land in cabins in that capacity, this was the first time that had happened. And there's like a blacksmith and pony rides. There's and, a train. Yeah. There's a pretty cool park. A great park. The kids loved the park. We probably spent, I'd say about two hours. Yeah, there. we could have spent more. We absolutely could have, but we wanted to get across the street. Oh, I should mention though, before we jump over to our next destination, it is worth it to get the Brigham Donuts. <laughs> The food truck got me the minute I stepped I mean, into these the are, parking these lot. These are your typical sort of fair mini donuts, um, but they're really good. They were really good and they were reasonably priced. So we got an order to share. I think we got a dozen and the kids had two and mom and dad had three. But don't tell my kids because <laughs> I told them there were only 10. <laughs> so across the street from uh, this is the place is the Hogel Zoo in salt lake city and the hogel zoo is it's fairly small uh for a zoo like if you know we compare it to our previous zoo experience in omaha yeah it's, it's no omaha it's, zoo. it's no it's nothing but the like thing that. is is that this is definitely a one and done zoo which is nice because yeah. omaha was not a one and done zoo so you can at least feel like you can go to this zoo and be able to experience everything it has to offer and probably still get out of there with a little bit of time left in your day. And like everything else we've done, it's in, in Salt Lake City. Again, it's new and modern and nice and well done. You feel like the animals are well taken care of. Uh, they're not in tiny enclosures. And it's it's just a nice zoo experience without being a massive, expensive thing. And it's got quite a beautifully visual surrounding you've got the mountains all around you in salt lake which just sort of adds to every outdoor experience you have in the city you have just a gorgeous backdrop with the natural environment then our final museum experience in in salt lake city this was this was interesting like we didn't know what we were getting into and uh and when we when we did explore this place uh, we're really happy we did. We thought we were going to enjoy it, but we just didn't know what it was going to be really. It's called the Leonardo and it's based on Leonardo da Vinci. And it's about, you know, their sort of philosophy is Leonardo's uh, style of thinking, but it's not a museum about Leonardo da Vinci, which I think we were kind of expecting, uh, but it's not. So the main floor exhibit, the first thing we experienced is an exhibit on flight. And they have a giant airplane fuselage in there that the kids can go in and play they on. They loved that. They, they have, would have spent their whole time there. They have machines that the kids can sit in and, and adults too and, and do sort of a virtual reality flying of an airplane. They have creativity exhibits where you can build with Legos, a lot of hands-on stuff where they've got staff members to help you figure out how to create and build things. They had this really excellent exhibit which i think is a temporary exhibit uh on on feminism and and women's history which was surprisingly one of the most enthralling things for our boys yeah our our two oldest especially sat down and watched this video on uh, it, this video that this woman created about the number of world leaders that have been women uh over the years and and her goal with this movie is to have by 2050 have 50 percent of world leaders be women and of course the the amount of world leaders that have been women is so incredibly small but the ones that that have the countries that have been led by women those women have done really amazing things yeah it was really heartwarming for me as a mother but also as a woman to see my boys naturally sit down and take interest in this film. And I appreciated too that the filmmaker made it such that 
it wasn't something we had to be uncomfortable with them no, watching it was because super it, positivity. Yes. And because it, it could most certainly go that way. Yeah. And her goal was to bring awareness to a subject that I think we're all aware of, but not at the level of which she talks about it in this documentary. And just to watch the two of them sit there of their own and not want to leave. I, I, I was very moved by it. I the was the very whole moved. thing is free and available online. So I'll link to it in the show notes as well. And, and you can be moved by it too. Um, but uh, the kids then did sort of spend a lot of time in the Lego area of this, this exhibit. And they have thousands and thousands of Legos. Oh my gosh. And I think this with. was a temporary exhibit as well. Yeah. It was going to be moving out very soon. Well, they're, all, they're, they're kind of renovating a lot of this museum mm-hmm. at the moment. It's going to go under, I think, one of those new and shiny um, exteriors that a lot of the other places that we've been to have already gone through. But it was just kind of cool to have a whole museum like dedicated to Leonardo da Vinci like in Salt Lake City. Yeah, who, thought, yeah, you know? yeah, it just didn't really seem like something you would expect to find there, but it was very appropriate and one of my favorite places. And it was one of our last stops. And I said to Jason, once again, we've kind of stumbled upon probably one of our better experiences in an area one day before we have to head out. This is always kind of the way it goes for us. The one other thing I want to mention that we did in Salt Lake City itself is go visit Salt Lake. Yeah, you Um, can't go to Salt Lake City without actually going to Salt Lake. It was a cold and windy day when we went and we just sort of drove out. There's a state park right out there. We didn't actually go into the state park because I think there is a charge to get into the state park. We just sort of parked by the roadside and uh, just walked out towards the lake. And there is a long way at least at the level the lake is at the moment of walking across salty sands to get in the lake. But it's it's just like salt flats for miles. Henry just ran and ran and (laughs) ran. He just said that it gave him super dino speed and he just took off. I mean, the kid, (laughs) it was so funny. I kept filming him and he would just run and run and run. And this is the child that you put on a hiking trail and within like, 30 seconds. Oh, my feet hurt. It was a miracle out on the salty beach of Salt Lake. He could run for 20 minutes and feel great. And he loved it out there. So much fun. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to we're going to jaunt a little bit outside of Salt Lake City into Park City and talk about my favorite experience that we had in this area. And then we're also going to talk about how we were able to do all of this stuff super, super cheaply. Be right back. Right, we're back and uh, we want to talk a little bit about Park City, Utah. So Salt Lake City is surrounded by mountains. It's in a valley and Park City is up in the mountains. And of course, it's one of the most popular ski towns in the country. I don't know why, but I didn't realize Salt Lake and Park City were so close to each other. That really threw I me off. Either. I mean, it's 20 minutes. Like, yeah. They, uh, they're really close. There's no reason why you couldn't explore both areas. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I've actually seen people saying, well, I, I want to visit Park City in an RV. How can I do that? Uh, especially in the cold. I want to go skiing. Stay, stay in, in a Salt hotel Lake in Salt Lake. Well, <laughs> even if you stay in a campground, even in Salt Lake City, the thing is the elevation change is so different. Salt Lake City is, of course, very low elevation compared to the rest of Utah. So you actually get much better weather in the colder climates in Salt Lake City. And then you can drive in to go skiing, which is awesome. Oh, yeah, I would love to spend and I don't like winter. So if I'm going to say this, that generally means there's something real good going on. I would love to spend some winter days in Park City. Park City is just, you know, it's your typical mountain town with those cool mountain shops. And you can go walking down the street and you're big Ugg boots and your vests and your and your fur collars and but I wouldn't wear my coffee and your 
whatever. I'd wear my bean boots. <laughs> and and you can uh, and you can just sort of, you know, have that experience of shopping for mountain gear. Remember a couple episodes ago, we made a lot of fun of outlet stores and the fact that they don't seem cheap. Right. So we went to this outlet mall in Park City, Utah, which is an expensive town and actually found some pretty awesome deals and bought a ton of stuff. Yes, this was a real outlet mall with some really super cool prices. And it was butted up next to the Olympic Park. So it's like you can go over there and do that whole experience, which we did. And then on your way out, be like, hey, I think I'm going to swing by this outlet mall. And I'm going to score some deals. <laughs> so the reason we were in Park City, the main reason was to visit the Utah Olympic Park. Salt Lake City was host to the 2002 Winter Olympic Games. And there are Olympic sites all around the area. And one of the biggest is in Park City. And all these Olympic sites are still like operating training facilities. So if you go up to Park City, you get to go to the place where the ski jumpers, the long jumpers, and the freestyle jumpers, and the uh, and the bobsled, skeleton, and luge Olympians practice. And it is really, really cool. I grew up a skier, so this was really special for me. I grew up not a skier, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I really enjoyed this a lot. And they have a wonderful exhibit inside the main building that's dedicated to the 2002 Olympics. It's got some of the costuming from the opening ceremony. It's got some of the gold medals that were won by Team USA. It has uniforms. Uniforms. It's got um, interactive uh, kiosks where you can watch scenes from the 2002 Olympics. So I stood and watched every single video available from the ice skating kiosk because I am an ice skating Fanatic, and this was such an incredible year of ice skating in 2002. It's one of the probably few Olympics at this point that I really thoroughly remember. Plus, it had the controversy. I don't know if anyone remembers this, but like the controversy in the pairs where the Canadian team really should have won, but the Russian team won. And that's because there was the Russian team pressured one of the judges to vote for them. And so oh, then they had yeah. to go back and award both the Canadian team and the Russian team. The gold medals. It was like this huge controversy. I can't believe I still remember <laughs> as much of that as I do. But it's really fun to be able to go through and see. I had personally never been to um, an Olympic site before. Well, we we have been to the training facility in Oklahoma City. Yes, but that's and, not but that's where not, the Olympics actually Olympics took happened. place. But it's a similar thing with what they're doing with a lot of these Olympic sites around the country where, where there are training facilities. They are making experiences for the public out of them. So like that training facility in Oklahoma City, this place has like an outdoor ropes course that you can do. It has you can go tubing. You can get it on an inner tube and sled in an inner tube down one of the ski jump um, areas and uh, just a lot zip of lining. different there things was like also, the zip yeah, line. Yeah. Zip lining. And then in addition to that museum dedicated to the Olympics on the first floor, there is a, a different museum dedicated to skiing history to the, yeah. in general, um, which I found really cool because it had like skiing outfits through the decades like skiing fashion jason's like i and... remember those colors i had an outfit just like that <laughs> i did in the 80s <laughs> um so i thought that was really neat but the best part of this whole experience is we did the tour which is uh i think it's like 12 dollars a person and you get in a bus with a with a member of the u.s ski team yeah was that our was tour guide. really cool and he took us in this bus around the park first we went to the the base of of the freestyle jumps had we known to arrive early in the day we would have got to see the freestyle jumpers practice because they have the you know these super vertical ramps and a pool that they land in so even though it wasn't winter yet they practice by skiing off these jumps and landing in a pool yeah so our loss may be your gain that if you do end up doing this and going to the park Try to get there in the morning and you may be able to see the jumpers practicing. Yeah. So that was neat to see, even though we didn't get to see them jumping. 
Then we get back into the bus and they drive us to the top of the bobsled track, which I did not know. Bobsled tracks are, and there's actually a bobsled track and a, a luge, luge track. track yeah. These are like super expensive to build. And there are only two Olympic bobsled tracks in the country that they train at the other being at Lake Placid and you get to see, you get to go right up to the starting line and see where they start and how they start. And actually, you know, you can reach down and touch the track. You can see this really cool track. And then you, when you drive up to the top of it, you're sort of driving in and out of it and around it on your way up to, to the top. And it's pretty stunning views too. And I didn't know this and I feel like I should have, but I didn't. That while the bobsled and the luge track start in different areas, they actually merge into just one track. Yeah. They meet about, I'd say, a quarter of the way into. And so I think that's really fascinating in the sense that, like, you've got this big giant thing that's carrying maybe sometimes two or four guys is the exact same track that that one person who's going to lay down on a tiny little board and fly through is doing the exact same track yeah by themselves yeah it's uh it really cool and i imagine you know of course when it's colder and they've got the track iced then you might often get to see teams practice yeah. there especially because teams from countries that don't, don't have tracks fly in and, and practice there as well cool runnings jamaican bobsled <laughs> <laughs> they literally practice in Utah. There were only, you know, at least a dozen references yeah. to the movie on. Yeah. By Jason. On the tour. <laughs> Not by our tour guide. And by then, Jason. And then then he took us to the top of one of the ski jumps. It was the long jump, I think. Wow. That was if you have an issue with heights and they say this. If, you know, you're really overcome with a fear of heights, you may want to not. You're not like on a cliff edge or anything. And it's very safe and there's no, railings. it's very, very safe. It gets windy and you are up You're high. very high. When he took us into the holding room or the watch room, I don't know exactly what they call it. That was much more enjoyable because we were enclosed and you were still up high. and But you didn't feel it quite as much as when you uh, were walking up to where the jumpers go. And he... He crosses over because he is actually a long. He's a long jumper. And so he was like, this is my home. This is my playground. He's very, very comfortable up there. He crosses over like the barrier and he's just standing on the stairs that are next to the ramp. And I'm just like, oh, you need to hold on to something like you're stressing me out <laughs> a whole lot. But he was very comfortable, very safe. But how cool to be up there with somebody who uses this ramp he, on a regular basis yes. and can tell you all the ins and outs of the sport and how the scoring works and everything. He answered so many questions from our boys and was so gracious about it. He's very young. He, I think, 18 years old is how old this guy is on the Olympic team. And so he's making a push for uh, 2022. Which I think was really cool that we could maybe even end up seeing him on the Olympic team in 2022. And then the bus took us back to the bottom and we got to experience the ramp from that side and, and just sort of have a different perspective of these jumps. And these jumps cost, he said they cost $12 million each to build. Yeah. Which is just. That's wild. Wild. And there are, again, aren't that many in the country, not that many Olympic competitive ski jumps in the country. And no. And he also said that Salt Lake is looking or Park City, whoever is those that are in charge of the funds for the Olympic Park, I should say, are doing a push to upgrade and improve the facility because they want to make another run for an Olympic bid. Yeah. Yeah. Because it the Winter Olympics aren't quite like the Summer Olympics. There are not as many cities that you can do winter Olympics in right. that have mountains and everything. Well, and we were talking too with him about the fact that it's become such an astronomical fee. If you're going from the ground up to host the winter Olympics, we're talking billions and billions of dollars at this point. So what seems to be the trend now is that cities that have hosted that already have these facilities for the most part in place are more likely to get a bid or more interested in hosting again because of the fact that it is not going to cost $30 billion. No, they said it would cost about a third of that to, yes. to do another one. Which is still $10 billion. Right. But Salt Lake City was one of the most 
financially successful Olympic host cities. Yeah, they ever. actually put that extra money into preserving these sites yeah. for that reason. So, so it, it's, it's great. Yeah. So when you go out there, your money is going right back into that park. It is helping to improve the facility and potentially bring the Olympic Games back to the Salt Lake area. And this isn't the only Olympic site you can visit in the area. This is the only one we visit, but visited, but there are others that you can visit as well. So we really enjoyed it. And we want to talk about how we were able to do that, how we were able to go there and go to all these museums and all these places for a very affordable price. We got the Salt Lake City Connect Pass. Now, we've seen these in other cities. Chicago, we're very familiar yeah, with. Yeah, Chicago has a city pass is what theirs is called. Lots of cities have a pass that you can buy. It's usually good for a weekend or you get so many tickets for different attractions for one price. And sometimes there are good deals. Sometimes they're not the greatest deal because sometimes they throw sort of lesser attractions in and the price of that ticket doesn't really add up to what you actually want to right, do they what will, you would have spent otherwise they'll pepper in a couple of like must see attractions for a city but then they're just mixed in with the sort of like well fillers yeah. right this is not the case here in salt lake city this is it's very affordable it's 36 dollars for, for one day per, for an adult to get this pass you go for three days it's 66 dollars for one adult and you can go to all of these places we went to. Yeah, I'm going to read off. And, and a whole lot more. I mean, we went yeah. to like half of the places, including the place where we went to go, to go get lunch. Isn't, the, the yeah, you had. get a $10 credit. The food was included. Yeah, it's crazy. Like you'll get it. Well, you'll get a $10 credit. I think it's like $9.99 for an adult. And then maybe I think like $5 for the kid. The Depending on the meal you get or what you get, you might pay a little bit more at the Lionhouse Pantry or you just say, I have $9.99 and I'm just going to spend $9.99. This is everything that the Connect Pass includes in Salt Lake. Discovery Gateway Children's Museum, the Planetarium, the Zoo. This is the Place Heritage Park, the Botanical Garden, which we did not make it to, the Aviary, which we did not make it to, the Utah Museum of Fine Arts, Utah Olympic Park, Thanksgiving Point, the Leonardo at Library Square, which we did make it to, Snowbird, Natural History Museum of Utah, Museum of Natural Curiosity, and the Lion House Pantry. That is more than one person can do in a weekend. And yet you could give it a real solid go at $66. And at the planetarium, it includes the IMAX film. It includes the planetarium film. It does, because the, the planetarium itself is free, as we've mentioned. So you get these two tickets. The Olympic Park, it included the tour. Uh, in the summer, it includes a, an adventure course or the tour. You can do the adventure course as well. It's just so much stuff that you can do. So you can visit all the, there's 16 different attractions. So you can visit all of them, depending on how much time you have. You can only visit each one of them once, you know, for as long as your your pass is active. But the But at the price that they give you it for, you know, for $66 for an adult and cheaper for a child for for three days, that's a, a great deal. I mean, you're spending $20 a day. That was our person. vacation. I mean, that's what we did was the pass. Yeah. And I felt like we got in a really fantastic overview of Salt Lake City. And I would love to see more major metropolitan areas do something like this, but do it as an affordable price point. We've watched the city pass in Chicago climb and climb and climb year after year after year to where in my eyes, it became a ridiculous amount of money. I right. think it's well into the hundreds now, but, but, but the museums in Chicago are also ridiculously expensive where I, where I found that some, I think it's shed and, that tips it. Well, I yeah, think it's shed, shed aquarium is that pass it's in, because it's so expensive to go to the aquarium. Aquariums are, thinking but aquarium i mean i know it's really expensive to run an aquarium but aquariums across the country we keep finding are just out of this world like theme park admission expensive yeah they really are and shed is definitely one of those and it would cost a family more probably to go to the shed aquarium and have that one experience if they did everything at the shed, because the shed also does price points where like you can't go do the cool stuff unless you pay a lot of money for the cool stuff, then it would, if a family 
purchased this Connect Pass in Salt Lake and then got to experience 16 different attractions. And like I said, most of these attractions are sort of, they're all sort of half day experiences. You can breeze through them quicker. Like if you're really trying to get your money's worth and to go to all of these places, you're obviously not to get going to get to go to 16 places in, in one day. If you do, yeah. If you do a one, two or three day pass, that's very difficult. In a three day, you can, you can experience quite a few of them. And then you could buy the annual pass and say you're coming back to Salt Lake City. So, you know, you spend $95 for the annual pass. You still only get to go to each one of these attractions once, but you can do one a day, one day at a time at each of them or half day at a time at each of them. But still, it's just a fantastic deal. And we were so happy to be able to have a serious vacation for our family that we could afford. Yeah. So thank you, Salt Lake City. And we hope that this has encouraged you to swing into Salt Lake, spend a little bit of time there. I got to be honest, it's not a town like a lot of the towns that we've gone to, not a town that was on my radar for a big, cool experience. And like Omaha, like Oklahoma. Oklahoma City, nearly every city we've gone to, honestly, we were able to find amazing things to do. Yeah. And it was just made so much better by our time at the Doubletree Suites by Hilton. So thanks to them as well. I think that we have come to the end of this week's podcast. And I know that there are little children out there waiting for us who really want to go to Hollywood. So why don't we snag a brain teaser and then we'll make like a tree and get out of here. <laughs> it can spread like a cold, yet cure all, so we're told. Feel so good that you'll fake it, or perhaps just to make it, when real can't be stopped from a baby can't be topped. We'll make somebody think they'll die for others makes them cry. What is it? Well, you're like a poet and you didn't know it. <laughs> we'll have the answer to that and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. We sure will. And hopefully next week we will be in better health. But until then, we hope you all stay healthy. We thank you so much as always for listening. Really seriously, we could not be doing this week after week without you. Yes, you right there. I'm pointing to you, sir or madam or them listening to us. Thank you again. And until next week, have a great week and keep logging those RV miles. Bye.